I see so many headlines, so many retweets, so many links on my timeline. There's so much news that I can't find time to read everything, but I know these are trying times. And it feels like every other day there's another major break, another front page article that screams in my face, things are not okay. And listen, this is church, I know I'm supposed to pray. I'm supposed to read these awful stories and I'm supposed to say, God's got this under control and go about my day. But I won't lie to you, I can't anymore. I read the news and I'm afraid. There's violence between spouses, there's not enough houses, the stock market is up and then the stock market's down some. There's political scandal. Another leader I looked up to, their churches in shambles after the story broke on how they couldn't handle them. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm starting to ramble. See, the news keeps changing. We keep rearranging ways to say things aren't going well and then we put it on pages and wonder why we're scared and confused throughout the day. See, what I'm learning is we need something permanent. We need something that won't change every time we're on the internet. We need good news that's not dependent on policies or presidents. We need news that's bigger than our personal circumstance. We need a news that's true and that's honest and that's powerful. And I need news that can look me in the face and promise me it's gonna last. We need good news forever for our future and our past. And for real, thank God, the gospel is actually that. See, the good news of Jesus is here, and that's fact. We have a headline to share. We have a story to tell. If we really receive it and believe it ourselves, we have the news. We should be ringing the bells. We should be shouting from rooftops. Don't keep this to yourself. We got to share this good news. Our world needs it for real. And if you don't believe me, please just ask yourself this. What do you need to get through the week? Do you need a hope, a light, a peace? Do you need permanent news? Because trust and believe we have the headline. God wrote it for us, for you and for me. And y'all, it's good news. And this news, his news, is exactly what our world needs. Merry Christmas, everyone. Welcome to Calvary. It's true that we are living in a bad news world, it feels like. Our headlines are filled with bad news all the time. I mean, these last couple of years, we went from COVID to politics stuff to murder hornets to all sorts of injustices. And then all of it again and again and again. It just kind of recycles over and over and over. We're getting hit over the head with bad news. And what's happened is... We're basically addicted to the bad news. It's, it's sort of like junk food for us where we, we know it's bad for us, but we want more. We want to take it in. We want to take it in more and more and more. There's actually this, this uh, psychotherapist and researcher, Steve Rosenberg, who said, bad news excites our nervous system. Our brains actually react more strongly to negative stimuli. So we, we react strong and it's in a way that we know it's bad, but it's kind of good and we like it and it's getting us charged up. And we get even more excited by bad news, bad news. But we know that we can't really live there. We can't live in that bad news space. And we know that at some level we don't really like it 
deep, deep down, and, and we know it's bad. Like, so, for example, I, I know that I'll respond to sort of critique or something negative in a way that, that I'll just, you know, it'll, it'll ruminate, it'll stir around inside my head. Like, I was even doing this thing recently where I was asking some people, some colleagues or friends, for some feedback on my communication skills. And I, I wanted that. But then I, I gathered it all up, I kind of copy-pasted it into a document, and I haven't looked at it yet. Because I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to wait till after Christmas. Because I know I'm going to read all these good things, but there's going to be maybe two, especially probably a couple real bad ones, that I, I'm just not going to be able to get out of my head, and it's going to mess me up, right? That whole thing. I don't know if you act that way. Like somebody could say 20 nice things to you, but they say one little thing that's negative, and you're like, hmm. Like, I'm just, I'm a terrible, bad person. I should just quit my job. Like, that kind of stuff. And it's true, though, because we just, we react in this weird way, but we, we crave and want more bad news. Now, the shepherds in the Christmas story, they were living in a bad news world kind of like we are. I mean, they were struggling, hardworking people, probably living in poverty themselves, living under a tyrant ruler, King Herod, who, who was known as this great builder, but this great builder that built all of these incredible things on the backs of people he was oppressing. And then that ruler was living under another tyrant ruler, Caesar Augustus, who was ruling over uh, the whole Roman Empire with this, with this hard fist and just ruling in, in strength and oppression of the people. And so these shepherds are living in a bad news world. And in this Christmas story, they have no idea that what's about to come to them is some beautiful, amazing, good news of great joy for all the people. And so what we're looking at tonight is when this good news arrives for you. The arrival, the coming, the advent. That's what advent means is the arrival. That this good news has finally come and finally arrived. And that's what Christmas is all about. The story of God himself coming to earth to live among us and live this perfect life that none of us could live. And that he has been long waited for. And so that's what even this advent wreath and these advent candles, that's what this is about. It's about waiting for the arrival. And here we are on Christmas Eve, and it's, it's almost here. And so this, this wreath, it's, it, it all has meaning. It's circular to represent the eternal nature of God with no beginning and no end. It's green to symbolize the newness of life we have in Christ. And then these four outer candles symbolize the four Sundays of Advent— that they themselves symbolize the four centuries, the 400 years of waiting for the arrival of the Messiah. And that's all between the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament where we read this Christmas story. I mean, even just think 400 years Think about the whole history of America. You probably think of sort of the, the beginnings, the Revolutionary War period as like ancient history. That's like not even 250 years ago. 400 years of waiting is so long for them, of waiting and waiting and waiting. That's what these candles represent. But they represent as well what they were waiting for. The first candle represents hope. Hope, that our hope is found only in Jesus. The second candle represents peace. That we have peace with God. 
through Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus. The third one is joy, good news of great joy. That this special joy from God, it frees us from our guilt. It gives us strength in our suffering, makes us right with God. And the fourth is love. That the story of Christmas is that God is love. And so love came down, love in the flesh. In a moment, we'll light the Christ candle, which is the center one, but not quite yet. Just a little bit more time to wait. Because I'd like for us to actually now read this story in Luke 2, where we see the shepherds are presented with this good news of great joy. It's in Luke 2, 1 through 12. There's Bibles in the back of the seat there in front of you if you want to turn to it. It's page 614 there in those Bibles. A little flower I dropped is a dried flower. I found in Bethlehem, which is kind of cool. So I'm going to put that back in there. Um, All right, Luke 2. Let's read 1 through 12. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David... He had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. That night... There were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. And here it comes. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. So what's that news? He says it here. The Savior... Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. The beautiful story of Christmas. We'll read a little bit more in a bit. But this story, it is good news of great joy. And it's good news of great joy to all people. It's for all people. What's so wonderful about this news is these shepherds hear it. The poor. It's for the poor. It's for the rich. It's for people that you like. It's for people that you don't like. It's for your best friend. It's for your enemy. It's for people living in a tiny village across the world. And it's for people right here in Orange County, California. This is good news for everyone. And you know what? If it's good news for everyone, all people, guess what? That means it's good news for you. For you, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've come in here carrying with you, this is good news for you. So what's this news? What's this this news that's supposed to be good and it's supposed to be about great joy? Really, what is this? It's all in that verse 11 there, okay? Verse 11, it says that this one that is born 
is the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. That's how he describes it, okay? Savior, Messiah, Lord. So this little baby that's being born here is Savior, Messiah, and Lord. All right, so this baby is the Savior, the one that will come. The name Jesus means he will save his people from their sins, right? He is the one that saves. He is our rescue, our deliverer, because you see, all of us, All of us have sinned. That means to go against the ways of God. We've all missed the mark in that way. And God says, even though you have done this, the consequences that you should have, the consequences of that sin are death and separation from God for eternity. And he says, I am sending you a rescuer, a deliverer, a savior. Even though you deserve that, I will rescue you. And so he sends His son himself, he comes to live that life that none of us could live, a perfect life. And then as his life goes on, we find that he goes to the cross willingly to take the sins of the world upon himself, to pay the price that we are supposed to pay. He takes that, he pays it for us. And then on the third day, he comes back to life again. And that resurrection means that he has defeated sin and he's defeated death. And it has no victory anymore over us. We have a Savior in Jesus. A Savior, a Messiah. <clears throat> Messiah is kind of like maybe a, a, a word that we don't normally, you know, it's one of these Bible words we don't normally use that much. But it's like kind of this chosen one thing, the anointed one, the Christ. The one they were waiting for to free them from all their oppression, to give them uh, peace. And it, it was supposed to usher in an age of peace. And that is what Jesus has come to do, to bring us peace with God, to free us from our oppression to sin, and then to bring everything right again. He will restore all things. That's the Messiah. So he is the Savior, the Messiah. And guess what? He's also Lord. He's the king. He is a king. This little baby is a king with a a kingdom and a reign that will last forever and ever and ever, it says in the word of God. That's incredible. And so we know that he is the authority over all things. And he has the right to make everything right again. To restore what was broken and to rule over all of us as a good and just king. So this good news is all about this, this little baby. This little baby that you think about with these titles, these lofty titles, Savior, Messiah, Lord, King. This is born in a little baby in straw and poverty, vulnerability, lowliness. This little baby is the one that's come to do all of that. It's so upside down of what everyone was expecting For those hundreds of years while they were waiting, this is not what they thought was going to happen. They wanted to be freed from their oppression to the Roman Empire. And he said, I've come to free you from so much more. I've come to make you right with God. That's what he has come to do. And that is the good news. And it's, it's really great news. It's good news of great joy. And I want you to think about how is this good news of great joy for you? What are you coming in here with? What are you dealing with? And how are you, like, what kind of bad news are you hearing? Because he's come to bring us that, that beautiful good news. What's interesting, actually, I think, about um, some of the, the bad news that we deal with. 
Sometimes that bad news actually comes from our own head. It's, it's our own voice actually speaking that bad news over us. And so sometimes I, I want us right now to recognize that God is speaking a different kind of news to you. And maybe what you need to hear is what God has to say to you about that. We might speak the bad news and God wants to speak good news. You say it's impossible. But God says all things are possible with me. All of these things that God says are from straight from the scriptures. You say, I'm exhausted. And God says, I will give you rest. You say, nobody really loves me. And God says, I love you. You say, I can't go on. This is too hard. And God says, my grace is enough. My grace is sufficient for you. You say, I can't figure all this out. God says, I will direct your steps. You say, I'm not able. And God says, I am able. You say, I can't forgive myself. God says, I forgive you. You say, I'm worried, I'm frustrated, I'm filled with anxiety. And God says, cast all your cares on me. You say, I feel all alone. And God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm always with you. This is the good news that God speaks into your life. And I pray that you feel encouraged by that. And you feel hopeful by that. You feel a sense of God's heart for you in that. Because he's come to give us good news of great joy. What joy is all about, this, this joy from God. Joy, God's joy isn't just to sort of make us have like kind of like a jingle bellsy kind of joy, right? This sort of fake feeling joy that's Christmassy and all of that. No, we know we're coming in with all sorts of junk. We've got real stuff going on in our lives. But God's joy is the kind of joy that will free you from your guilt and your shame. Because he has forgiven you. And we can have joy in that. God's joy will strengthen us in the midst of our suffering and our struggle. Because God's joy is victorious and strong and we trust in his power, not our own. And so that's the kind of joy we can have in a bad news world. And I hope and pray that you can experience that kind of joy tonight. And so I want to do something where you'll just take a moment just to close your eyes. And I want to speak some words over you. And I want you to hear these words and just take them in and hear what God is speaking to you of this good news. So close your eyes right now. I encourage all of you to close your eyes and hear these and think on these things. Think about the world, the whole world, and all of life. What we all go through all over the world. All the struggles, all the hurts, all the temptations, all the good stuff, all the mundane and boring things, and all the pain. And then hear the angel saying, I bring good news of great joy for all people all over the world. And just with your eyes closed again, think of then our country, America. And think about all the people in it and what we all go through. All the struggles, all the hurts, all the temptations, all the good stuff, all the mundane and boring things, and all the pain. And then hear the angel say, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. And then think of this room, our church, everyone here inside this room. And think of all the struggles, all the hurts, 
All the temptations, all the good stuff, all the mundane and boring things, and all the pain of everybody in this room. And hear the angel of the Lord speak. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. And with your eyes closed, think about yourself. As you're sitting in that seat, you can feel the weight of your body upon the seat, the breath in your lungs, just aware of yourself here in this moment, all the struggles that you're going through, all the hurts, all the temptations, all the good stuff, all the mundane and boring things of your life and all the pain. And hear the angel of the Lord say to you right now, I bring you good news of great joy to all people, even you. This is for you. So as we consider responding to that, think on this question. Is Jesus your Savior, Messiah, and King? Is he both Savior and King? He wants to rescue you. He's come to give you that gift of salvation, a free gift for you, cost much for him. He'll call you to serve him as king of your life after that. Maybe you've never responded to that. I encourage you to take a moment to answer that question to God. Yes, Lord, you are my savior and my king. Yes, Lord. And just continue to meditate upon that as we sing this beautiful song of longing for God. O come, O come, Emmanuel.